It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Bengals have signed a linebacker. We will talk about who this linebacker is in the first part of the show. We will then get into your responses. We're doing a bonus mailbag style thing today where instead of you asking the questions, we asked you a question. The Bengals have taken a big step in the right direction in this free agency period by spending money. What else do you want to see from this team? What one thing did you want to see next for the Bengals to modernize? That'll be the last two parts of the show. But first, before we even get into Josh Bynes, I guess we need to address yesterday, Joe, because my mentions weren't that bad, but a number of people listened to yesterday's show and came away thinking we didn't like the Bengals' free agency moves. So you're telling me that people thought you were negative about something the Bengals did. This is new or weird to you? It's it's only weird insofar as I didn't think we were. I thought we presented it such that it was obvious that the negative side was not all that is stuff I even believe. I was just saying you could say this, right? right? Some of it is stuff that I believe. Like I, I don't like the, the money on the Trey Waynes deal. Sure. But I, I also said in the same breath, he is specifically better than Drake Kirkpatrick at specific things that this coaching staff wanted to improve on the defense. And that is high praise. That means that there's a plan. So I just want to make sure that everyone that listened to yesterday's show, because I, I, you know, people are saying, Oh man, I'm, it's my first day in, in quarantine today. And I listened to the podcast and I was bummed out and I don't want that. The, the, no. the point of yesterday's show is just to present both sides of it. But, but, we like what the Bengals have done in this free agency period, and I just want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah. Oh, we're very excited with the direction and the players acquired and, and the amount of players acquired, especially, I think. Uh, but, yeah, the well, only thing we wanted to do was, because I think there is an element of excitement that clouds your judgment. And so I wanted to step away and, and out of that, because that's where, that's the position I'm taking. I, I like to be excited right now. There's no reason to, to be negative. So I wanted to step out of it and say, okay, if this was another team or if this was the Browns signing these guys, what would I say? And and so I went from that perspective for that segment. And we even said some nice things. You had to stop me before I went too far on a, a Xavier Suofilo of being too nice and said I'll save it for the next segment because it was hard to keep going negative. So I apologize if anyone thinks that we were overly negative. I just thought we were trying to give uh, another perspective. I feel like I've been really excited about these moves for the last week. 
And mm -hmm. I know you've been at work at night, so it's been me doing a lot of the show. But I, I thought that my excitement for these signings came through. Maybe it was just people that hadn't listened previously. I know we're not supposed to assume that we have a consistent day-to-day -day audience, but we do that anyway. We assume mm -hmm. you're listening serially. So bottom line, we really like the Bengals free agency period. We think it's a sign that things are going in the right direction. And that continues today when I think the Bengals made a good move for this point in the free agency period. Let's get into Josh Bynes. At this point in free agency, with all the top-tier linebackers signed almost a week ago now, Nick Vigil has departed for greener pastures in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And not related to linebackers, but Tyler Eifert signed today reportedly with Jacksonville. The Bengals, staring at a hole at the second level of their defense, finally made a move. The other foot came down on the Nick Vigil signing, and that's Josh Bynes from the Baltimore Ravens. He was a street-free agent for the Ravens midway through last season. I think his first game of the year was against the Cincinnati Bengals. And there was a tweet that Joe retweeted that highlights Josh Bynes just a few days, just a little bit over a week after signing with the Ravens. And he looks like he knows the defense, and he did. He stepped in, hit the ground running with them right away was a huge shot in the arm because the, the big weakness of the Ravens last year was linebacker, still is linebacker. And now they won't have Josh Bynes back. The Bengals get him on a one-year deal. So what does this do for the Bengals? I think, number one, when you look at the host of linebackers in free agency, it wasn't a great situation. And then once Nick Vigil does sign with the Chargers, within 20 minutes it's pretty much reported that Josh Bynes signs with the Bengals. I think there's no coincidence there. I think the Bengals were interested in bringing back Vigil, and when he went somewhere else, they quickly moved to Bynes and gave him their concrete offer at that time for the one-year deal. We'll see how much money it is. We'll report on that when we get that information. But as of now, what it does is you have your two starting inside linebackers in Jermaine Pratt and Josh Bynes. And it relieves some of the pressure. I still think they could go and sign another depth guy, maybe a Darren Lee or something at, for the back end of the roster that's in free agency before they head into the draft. But what it does is it, it frees you up a little bit from that pick at 33 from forcing it to be a linebacker pick, which I think for me, that was one of my biggest requests this free agent period was to free yourself up to the best player available. And now they can really do that. For me, it keeps coming back to wide receiver at 33 every time I look at it I think that's where the value falls but let's talk a little bit more about Josh Bynes what he brings to the defense what his strengths and weaknesses are there's a reason he was a street free agent he was an undrafted rookie for Arizona he's been in the league for a long time now he's 31 years old this is not a guy that's going to be your every down athletic linebacker the Ravens went to some lengths to hide Josh Bynes in coverage, but he did play there, and he played pretty well, at least according to PFF, this year in coverage, which means I think he was hidden well, because prior to that, he's been an average coverage backer at best, but he's a very good run defender. He's a guy that you can count on to be a baseline linebacker, and I mean, his worst graded season from PFF actually is only three points worse than Nick Vigil's best graded season for PFF. To put that in perspective, this is a solid player. Yeah, about Josh Bynes, he was on that Cam Newton-Auburn National Championship team, and he was their 
behind Nick Fairley was their linebacker to, to speak of for that defense, that really good defense. And I remember him from back then. Wasn't a great athlete, but was a stout run defender and seemed like a smart player. Going undrafted, went from the Cardinals to the Ravens, won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, to the Lions, back to the Cardinals, and back to the Ravens last year where he played 428 snaps, 214 in run defense, and 173 in coverage. When you have more run defense snaps than coverage snaps, it means you're just a base 3-4 inside linebacker. You're not out there in the nickel package, which means I think the Bengals could employ that with Bynes. They get, the Ravens got a lot of production out of him last year and got a really good play out of a 30-year-old. And if the Bengals want to emulate that at all, I think we're looking at an inside base linebacker that could be replaced with a nickel linebacker, whether that's Sean Williams or or someone that they draft, we have to find out who that is. I still think there's parts to, to fall here or chips to fall. Uh, but at the very least, you have your base guy, and you can go out there and play a football game today. And unlike previous defensive coordinators in Cincinnati, Lou Anarumo was a lot more willing to go into the dime defense. So they would put six defensive backs out there, which is what they're doing in their big nickel anyway because they just have an extra safety. But I think he was also more willing to just put four corners and two safeties out there. We might see a little bit more of that as well. And I think this lines up with the idea of drafting a safety at some point on day two or early on day three. And I think it also lines up with the idea that they're building a defense to stop Lamar Jackson. These guys are good tacklers, they're good run defenders, and Josh Bynes played against him in practice. I think you could give some tips and insight on how to stop that. There is a blueprint, I think, for Josh Bynes that the Bengals can take from Baltimore last year as they transplant him into the defense. They can glean some knowledge from his familiarity with Baltimore. And by and large, this is just a solid signing at this point in free agency. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So we were doing another mailbag earlier this week. We're still going to do the normal mailbag where you guys can ask us whatever you want on Friday or for Friday's episode that'll be on Thursday. But this week we figured... News was slowing down or for, for free agency. We're really not getting much draft news in, in the sense of pro days and visits and things like that, even though Paul Denner Jr. in the Athletics Q&A did say that they are having weekly video sessions with mm. pre- draft prospects. So there is still contact with these guys, and it made it sound like it was reoccurring talks with these players. So I think there's still some of that going on. The good teams are going to figure out a way to do it and Skype, as the rest of the world is, right? Shouldn't that be regulated by the NFL because like you only get 50 or 30 or whatever stadium visit? Shouldn't they be limited? I mean, maybe not. You can call and talk and text as much as you want. All right. You know, and I guess that's a extension of that. But in this weird time, maybe there should be. Have you seen clips of these people? There's this new VR game where you can draw on a window in it. There's an eraser. It's like What's a whiteboard in a video game. I don't know. It's a, a half-life. Yeah, that. Uh, and and so there's there's a math teacher I saw today. A math teacher literally was doing a lesson on this this glass in the game. 
Why don't NFL teams do that? Life finds a way. Oh man, that'd be so smart. Do it. Do a whiteboard on this. I don't know. You could just share your screen with the guy like we do and draw on and watch film. Yeah. You could do it easy. No problem. Yeah. Oh, that that's a much less fun way to do it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I know you you want to get the whole here, buy this game, get a VR set, get the other guy to have a VR set. Well, my thing is if if a video game company has developed it, why doesn't the NFL just be like, all right, we'll just we'll just like, hey, make this for us. Like, your immediately. Idea. Here's a ton of here's a ton of money for it. You know what my idea is? Actually, and then we'll start talking about football, is uh, revive drive-ins. All these people, you know, you want to go to movies. You can't sit in a movie theater anymore. Because this is true. You don't have one? A drive-in? No, there's no drive-ins here anymore. You we still have one. some? They're closed yeah. around the country for the most part. There's probably still a few vintage ones open, but where, where, where they've all closed down, somebody, somebody opened up a drive-in for the next few months, opened up a seasonal drive-in. And and say you know what the rules are you you can't have you your window your more than cracked you stay in your car, bring all the food and drinks you want in yep. just stay in your car yep. I, I, I want to do that here because like all my friends are like man I wish we could you know just get together and watch a movie. And it's like well, <laughs> that's how you do it yeah. All right, I'll I'll pick it back up Jake. So Thank for you. today's episode we wanted to in today's mailbag we wanted to keep it focused on one thing we may do this more often give you one topic or one discussion piece and get your takes on it. I know a lot of you have wanted, have asked or wanted to speak your piece on, on the podcast. This is your best way to do it on these ones, I believe. So we asked because we like the direction the Bengals are going and the few steps they have taken so far in this free agent period, or we should just say this league year, this new league year, they've, they've made some moves they typically don't. So we asked, what is the one thing, one other thing you want to see the Bengals do next to continue to modernize? And Jake, before, no, maybe we shouldn't give our answers. I want to go through these first and then see what, who has the best idea out of this. Well, if anything, we learned yesterday, if we want people to listen to it, we better do it first. Right. <laughs> no, we're not going to do it first. <laughs> I, 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 this guy's got a good one, and I think it's where I would go also. And there's a couple in here that I – someone asked me this recently, and I answered a few of these. So I like these. First one is from DZE at, he, at Odet on Twitter. He says, Zach Taylor has said many times – that the players had to embrace the new culture and were made accountable to their performances. Why stop with the players? So my one thing, officially appoint Duke Tobin as GM and along with the staff, make everyone accountable to their own performance measurements. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I think has more or less happened behind the scenes in the last few years, except they don't, fire any of their scouts there's been no turnover in their scouting department they've hired some new people they've promoted some people but there nobody's out there being like man you know actually you know what i take that back duke tobin has drawn interest from other teams but you don't you don't hear about well maybe you wouldn't hear about until they're gone but you're not seeing any of these other guys getting poached or or sought after for assistant gm positions with other organizations or anything like that so I think that injecting some accountability, we, we don't know how much they do, but they could be, this is, this is like an easy win, right? You make Duke Tobin the GM, you, you hire a couple more scouts or, or be more transparent about your scouting process because I, I don't know how much they use services. Maybe they, I don't know, I don't know what exactly they do, mm-hmm. 
But if there's an answer to how do you get by with the personnel department that's half the size of the rest of the NFLs, well, just answer the question or hire a couple more scouts because they're making pennies compared to your to your profits. And then once you have that in place, you have insulation from the people making football decisions, Duke Tobin and staff, and the ownership group, Katie Blackburn and staff. Now there's accountability there. Whereas with Mike Brown involved, still one hand in the cookie jar or whatever, you don't have that as much. There's nobody to hold Mike Brown accountable. I still feel like this has happened. Like I thought this is where you were going when you said behind the scenes. I feel like well, this has happened over the years. Yeah, and, but I'm speculating that it's happened. And you hear, it seems like all the writers will say the de facto GM, yeah. Duke Tobin. And it's because when you talk to him, when you ask any questions, they're like, well, let me talk to Duke first. Let me you know, bring it back. I, I've talked to agents and they said, well... What do you think Duke would do you think Duke would like this guy? Should I contact Duke about this guy? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that's the GM then. If that's how the rest of the league views it, he's the GM. And I know the GM actually would have more powers and have more control. And I would like that also, like you said, accountability and the layer of of uh insulation between the two mm-hmm. the groups of ownership and football. So I would I agree, I would like that. But I do think he is taking on more and more of that. I would love for it to be named because I think that would be one of the final steps before we get to the final step of Mike Brown being completely hands off. And I think we're heading in that direction. He, he might be there right now. We're not mm-hmm. sure. I mean, there are some reports that creep out through Albert Breer, for example, on March 6th, when it was said that Mike Brown likes Justin Herbert more than Joe Burrow. But we don't know if that even matters. Right. I don't think it does. In I don't fact, either. I'm, I'm very confident that it doesn't. And to your point about Duke being the de facto GM, and I mean, Zach Taylor is his hire. I think that that was pretty clear. This was Duke's guy. And mm-hmm. and they are the ones in sync. And together, we're seeing them make free agency moves because there was alignment in the building, right? And so once you have that unified vision on football ops, you get the business people to do the business part, which they've done a good job of, well... Now, now we're now we're operating like a modern football team in that respect. So, could they could they win some easy points and say, "Hey, Duke Tobin's a GM, guys. It's official." Yeah. Would that would that win points unanimously, or you think there'd be some fans no. that are like, "Why Duke Tobin?" Because I think some people may grade Duke Tobin a little harshly. I think he's operating one hand behind his back in a too. lot of ways without free agency. I do too. And and even in the draft process, you can see certain picks are you know this is a this is a Paul Alexander pick, this is a this is a Mike Zimmer pick, this is a Marvin Lewis pick. Yeah, that too. And and we we're not seeing that as much now, right? We're seeing we're seeing less of that. Oh well, everyone knows the Bengals are in on Burrow. Everyone knows the Bengals are looking at wide receivers and linebackers, but you're not hearing. Oh yeah, the Bengals are going to pick Jalen Rager at 33 if he's there. Right. Yeah. And in, in previous years. I mean, even last year, I said this plenty of times, the the amount of information I've had in previous years, last year was like 25%, I felt like. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough, man. It was tough piecing together a puzzle that you didn't know what the final picture would look like, and that's how, how I felt last year during the draft process. So there is movement that way. I just want to give a shout-out to Joel Chandler and to Nick Kirby, who also both said the same thing, hire a GM and have ownership back off. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, fairly common 
feedback for the Bengals, which is why I say it's low-hanging fruit. This is a really easy win. There would be people that would complain and be like, oh, it shouldn't have taken so long or whatever, because there's always people that are going to complain to complain. Yep. But I think that it would be seen as a pretty good move. Uh, we just spent six minutes talking about this one, Joe. Do you have one last point you want to make before we wait a second to get to the rest? No, let's get to the rest after this. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So one of the other common demands, requests, I don't know what the best way to put this. One of the comments on Twitter are, get an indoor practice facility. And this comes from Rocky Mountain Hooday. And also Dom with a bunch of numbers. Get an indoor practice facility or a ring of honor. Can't decide which is more important. Do you have a take on which is more important or the value of either? I don't know if I have a take on which is more important. Maybe I think the... for winning and performance, one is more important. But well, culture and how outsiders may view the team... I think could be equally important. I think I think I'm on Ring of Honor here because they have alternatives to practice indoors when they want to. Yeah, it's a little embarrassing. They have to go up the road to UC to use their bubble when they want to, but they they can generally get that facility when they want to. And they've built this. They did their gym renovation, and as part of that gym renovation, they they put in like 20, 30 yards of of half a football field in there. So if they really need to get a walkthrough done indoors. They do have space inside Paul Brown Stadium now that they can use for this. That said, I can't imagine it would be that expensive to just build a damn roof over the practice facility that they the practice field or one of the fields that they've already got out there. Right. I mean, like you said down in off air, you said down in Alabama, they had yeah. a at Southern Alabama University is out it was, they have a, a canopy. It's like yeah, a metal was- a metal half yeah. building. It was fantastic. It was raining one day for practice at the Senior Bowl, and they kicked everyone down to southern Alabama, and we're underneath this nice, just four walls, not even fully walled, because there's the 20-yard line to the end zone were wide open, um, and a roof, and lights in there. So you could even practice even later if you needed to. Uh, we know how dark it gets uh, late in the season. But, yeah, for me, I think Ring of Honor shows – a commitment to the franchise, to the past players, um, a sign of excellence, because there are players to be proud of. There are moments of, to be proud of. Mm-hmm. There are things to show the young generation um, it, that it, that feels worthy of, of going in there and you're wearing the same number of whoever, Lamar Parrish, right? And that's something to be proud of. Um, at the same time, and it didn't hurt them this year, right? Maybe not. We don't know, actually. But it didn't hurt them in bringing in free agents to not have these things. When they went and actually spent money, it didn't actually matter if they had those facilities. Money's always going to talk loudest, but I think just for former players, Willie Anderson, it would really help his Hall of Fame candidacy if he was in 
the Bengals team hall of fame, you know, same for Kenny Anderson, these guys Agreed. that would get the local recognition. That's there. There's no players except for Anthony Munoz in the pro football hall of fame that aren't in their team's hall of fame because every other team in the NFL has one. And I hear the people already, they're saying, Oh, this is just window dressing. They don't need it. Well, every other team in the NFL has one. Right. Why, why are, why, why do we have to be the ones that, that don't have one and there's such a stain on this organization in the last 30 years and that's not to say they haven't had success in that time they've obviously had some really good teams under marvin lewis and we're hoping for the future but the last good history was pre-mike brown and it's not acknowledged really anywhere that the public can see sure the players have pictures of some of the greats and some quotes in in the locker room area and if you take a tour of Paul Brown Stadium, you'll see that. But why can't we make that public-facing? Why can't mm-hmm. why can't we spend a little bit of money and you know put a ring of honor around one of the bowls? Why can't we build a a Reds Hall of Fame style thing? I just sure. I, I don't see any of those being you know insurmountable challenges. And and uh, for for being the only NFL franchise without one, it's just like let's just do it already. You know, we've talked about these things, but since they've made moves in free agency, cut players, dead cap, you know, it's a couple of things, objectives we wanted them to definitely take on. Um, it doesn't seem so insurmountable for them to reach these next goals. If it right. is even, all right, guys, we're going to build a practice facility. What? Great. Awesome. Here we go. Yeah. Because that's the feeling we had of signing a DJ reader. Yeah. It, it's so foreign to us. And, and and maybe that's why the negative stuff was so loud to people, because We've, we've been critical of this team for the last year because we were waiting to see, okay, what's the plan? Well, now it's easy to imagine that they can have a plan. And there's still some things we want them to do better. Mm-hmm. Every, every team's going to have things that they want to do better. Uh, what's, what's the next one that we've got to talk about here? Well, there's a couple here that we've got favorited. Um, Carlos Andre also says, Ring of Honor, he says, we must recognize the greatness of our own players, even if the rest of the league continues not recognizing. And then we've got Tracy McBrady, who also said, increase the staff of the scouting department. Yeah, this one's tough. This is the one where it's just like, yeah, just do it. And I don't understand why they don't do it. I've heard, you know, privately and things that I can't repeat that there are some reasons for that. But I don't buy it, even if that's true. I don't know why they wouldn't just make that public. Um, so, yeah, it's very strange to me. This one remains a point of contention for me. It's something I wish they would address. It doesn't seem that hard to address. It would be a cultural shift more than anything to introduce more voices into that room. But mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. That that increases your ability to be accountable. That, you know, just getting the, the increased discussion reducing the strain on guys, allowing more in-person time during the season. These were all things that would be better because you can talk about all you want. Oh yeah, we're doing all this technology now. We get the all 22. Yeah, that's great for watching tape. Anybody can do that. But one of the, I mean, if that's all it was, every other NFL team wouldn't have giant scouting departments. Yeah. And for me, I think it goes into, and I don't know if someone else said this yet. We'll get to it if they do. But I think the, increasing the scouting department also goes hand-in-hand hand with increasing or f- formulating a strong analytics department where more information is good. For me, that's how I operate. So if I, if it was me and I was, if I won the mega billions, whatever the lottery is, and 
was able to buy the Bengals, that would be one of the first things I do is I want as much information to make the best decisions possible. And for me, having when I, or I should say, when I see other teams and their scouting staffs and, and the size, you may say, well, we don't need all those voices. Those teams aren't using all those voices. They get information submitted to them. There's numerous stories of scouts saying they feel left out of the final step of the process, which is leading up to the draft, the draft board, and drafting. They're not there saying, oh, make sure you get this guy. They've done that work. That's what the scouting reports are for. That's what the information is for up until March or so. And then the team and the 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 head, the brass of the of the decision makers are building the board and making the decisions during the during the draft. And they're the ones making the final call. They may not draft they may draft a guy you didn't like. They may not draft a guy you liked. So um you don't have to rely on those guys, but getting the information to make the best possible decision is there's nothing wrong with that. Well, and you, you have more track record to look at, right? You can start to say, okay, now we've got six guys. Let's look at how Steve, whatever Radovich Mm -hmm. has done on cornerbacks in the last four years. Oh, Steve, you you missed on a couple there. Uh, We we have to change our approach in this. Uh, Maybe they can do that anyway. I just feel like more people gives you more opportunities to do so. And like you said, more information is always good as long as you have the right person making the decision. Now, if Duke Tobin is that person or not, I want to believe he is. Uh, He's had a bad little run here in the last few years for sure. And this year is a, a big year for him. We can't have another Drew Sample pick in the second round or Drew Sample needs to prove us wrong. Right, that'd be nice too. I'd, I'd, I'll take that rather than just a, um, a the, the fear of the Drew Sample pick. So next topic here is something I think the Bengals actually are um, taking an effort in. And this is from the Bengals are okay. And he says, it's dumb that we could use more fan engagement on social media. Other teams interact with fans more so than the Bengals. And I, I think of this one because of the video they had the other day yeah. of, you know, SpongeBob and... Yeah. and uh, and Jim Carrey, and it's, it was good. As I was like, you know, that's actually a quality video for what they normally send out there. It's usually pretty lame. But they were, remember, when I was going on the Senior Bowl around that time, they're looking for more of that online content and a creator and someone to manage all of their networks and social media platforms. So maybe that's it. Maybe the guy's in there or girl's in there, and, and this is the content we're getting. Yeah, I think that they were certainly looking to address this. They've they've had some turnover in their social media department in the last few years, too. People go in and out. I think there's more turnover there than anywhere else within the organization besides players. I think the rest of their staff is actually pretty stable year to year. Um, Coaching staff, obviously, as well. But in terms of the actual operational staff, I think that they do have a lot of turnover in their social, uh, social media department. But this is something that I think is a a good first step but needs to go further they can take lessons from the you know the other teams in the afc north they could take lessons from the reds on fan engagement and events outside of just games uh to really improve the fan experience and and probably draw more people to games uh they they focus a lot of their attention on events for season ticket holders and i Mm -hmm. think that they could do more just public stuff training camp is a great one but it's also kind of baseline, I think. I think yep. that it would be pretty easy to just go another step. And the players do a lot of this independent of the team. But in, in other, you go to any team website out there, there's an event section on that webpage. Bengals don't have one of those. 
and and I just feel like there could be a little bit more community outreach done. But again, I think that there are some steps in that direction, and the players that are on the team generally do a pretty good job of this. And and sorry, one last thing, uh, they do a good job of it for the season ticket holders. So it would just be a matter of extending that a little bit to to other people that buy tickets to games. I think. Yeah, and I wonder if the fans who don't live in Cincinnati, maybe this is closer to us, um, they you know they shouldn't get left out of feeling like they're part of the group also i i know what you're saying it's usually the um season ticket holders or our city you know our team type thing and that's most teams feel that way but then you see like raider nation you know and then like bill's mafia i mean they make sure to include anybody under the sun that's backing their team um so there would be for me i would try and figure out events to include everyone whether that's um a virtual tour or a ways to chat with players or coaches or whatever you can do. Uh, and, and I think Marissa has been doing that at Bengals.com a little bit more, taking questions from online and talking directly to either Jeff Hobson or Zach Taylor. And I think that's good stuff to get fan engagement and for people that maybe not don't have the opportunity to be in the stadium or in the city and see these guys up close. Yeah, they've done some good work on the web and in social media in that regard. They did a they did a live Q and A with uh, Dave Lapham down at the Senior Bowl when they were there. They they did it on Periscope or whatever. They read mm-hmm. questions out of the chat. They read my question, uh, predictably exactly. because it was a, a because it was a broadcast. They didn't read the full question and asked with the nuance that I wanted Jeff Hansen oh, to. Oh, okay. Well, because they, they asked, you know, like. Are the Bengals going to do anything in free agency? Not like even, at, you know, I spelled out the Bengals after everything that they're projected for are expected to have 40 to $50 million to spend. Where are they going to actually spend that money? And instead it was, are you going to, are the Bengals going to spend money in free agency? So well, yeah. they weren't going to quote your number. No, I know. Fake news. Fake news. Um, that's it. Yeah. I don't have anything else because I said what I would do if it was me. Analytics. Yeah, I would build a scouting staff and analytics department. Yep, I'm with that. I think that's uh, priority one is is like fix your operation, uh, not operational, fix your football Ex- personnel. Expand. Expand not your personnel department, accept new ideas and data, separate duties between business and football ops. There you go. Yeah. That 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 in and of itself, fixing the structure, changing the structure, brings a lot of that accountability uh, that a lot of people are asking for, and and I think we're starting to see that more and more uh, as time goes on. Definitely, my last points are, and I forget the Zach Taylor hiring because I was all for that and release letting go Marvin, going get a young offensive coach, and I think you know I so I want to go back one year and say also that, and so that movement plus you know, going really young with the coaching staff and then into free agency this year. So I'm happy with those moves, even though what we got on the record right now is a two and 14 team, but I'm also a fan of tanking and getting a top quarterback. So they kind of accomplished that too. Could turn out that was intentional. We'll never know for sure, but there are reasons to believe after everything, after all year, I said, this isn't on purpose. There are reasons to believe that that was an intentional tank job. We'll be back tomorrow, Bengals fans. Hopefully this was a more positive experience for those of you that need a little bit of uplifting. Hope you're staying safe out there. Until next time, have a good one. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.